What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, Jack Vita, uh, back in action here, taping part one of our two-part NFL preview. We're going a little crazy tonight, and we're going to just go out and record both parts. So this is our AFC preview here. Uh, and we're just uh, we're gonna get right into this in a second. But if you guys enjoy today's episode, if you guys like the show, make sure you're subscribed to the Jack Vita Show so you don't miss out on any of the future content that we have coming out. Uh, just released our college football preview, so you guys can go back and check that one out. It's two parts, went deep into all the conferences, so it was a lot of fun. Uh, we've got more coming out in terms of baseball news. Um, we'll be podcasting on this first week of college football, and we'll be also talking, again, plenty of baseball. You guys are probably listening to this in the future uh, because football doesn't start for a few weeks. So, again, make sure you guys are subscribed. The goal is to have a new episode out each Monday or Tuesday recapping the week's football, and that should be running all season long. Um, and at this time, I'd like to welcome in our guest for the day, returning to the Jack Vita Show for the fourth time and winner of the Jack Vita Show March Madness Pool. This is his prize. CJ Revis, welcome back to the show. Oh, it's always great to be here, Jack. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Congrats on winning. And CJ won. And so the prize was $50. And then you get to get a spot on this podcast. And CJ won the pool back when he picked Baylor to win the NCAA tournament. And I said, CJ, what podcast episode do you want to do? What do you want to do a podcast episode on? And CJ in the past had talked about backyard baseball with me on here. So I, I, I figured he could go in really any direction. I didn't know which direction he was going to go in. He said, I want to get on a preseason NFL and talk Bengals. So here we are. Yeah, you know, I, I did the AFC North preview with you, I think, two years ago. Yep. Um, so I thought I'd run it back and do, do that. I may have committed too early. Uh, <laughs> Might have been, uh, you know... A Cubs sell-off would have been maybe a nice episode to be on, considering <laughs> all my thoughts, as you know about it. But um, always happy to talk NFL, and when we get to the AFC North specifically, my uh, wonderful Cincinnati Bengals. Yes, absolutely, and great to have you here for the full preview. Uh, I should address the elephant in the room. I did not do a preview last year. The world was really a wild time last year. It was a crazy summer, and unfortunately, we had like every sport going on at the same time, and I was just like, all right, I'll start watching football when baseball season's over. I thrust myself into the baseball stuff and did not have time for the NFL stuff, but now we're back on a normal schedule. So we got our college football preview out and now we're doing the NFL preview. So we're back, baby. Yeah. Hey, you know, you're getting back. Everybody's getting back into the swing of things, including the Jack Vita show. <laughs> <laughs> we're back on our normal schedule. So, okay, CJ, before we dive right into these divisions, I think we should just uh, note a couple interesting things about this season. So we, this year are going to have a, a let's see, it's a 17-game season. So it's 18 weeks, 17 games, um, which is definitely different because we used to have 16. 16 was such a nice round, perfect number. 
I don't like the 17 to tell the truth. No, I, I can't say I agree with, or I can't say I disagree with you. I mean, this is, it was against a lot of player objections. Um, it mostly seems unneeded uh, for the most part. I don't know how many times we really ran into bad tiebreaker scenarios at the end of the season. Um, but I just feel like they're running themselves into a potential problem here. Cause if you start seeing injuries later into the season or even early in the playoffs of guys just being run down and kind of fatigue injuries that pop up, you're the NFL is going to have a real problem on their hands. Yeah. And there were a lot of injuries in the NBA playoffs this past year. And, uh, LeBron even said he thought it was because of how they had done things in terms of having a a season on a different clock this year. And then this year in baseball, we've also had a lot of star players also getting hurt. Could be the fact that they weren't stretched out fully last year. So it's an odd time to really be doing this. And like you said, the NFL is such a cash cow. They don't need another TV week. I mean, it feels like there's more to lose from this than more to gain. Yeah, and I mean, even though it's you know one extra game, 17 games isn't really that many. Every week matters for your playoff implications. And, you know, in leagues like the MLB or the NBA, it's even easier to give guys, you know, rest days or, you know, load management days as uh, the Spurs always had <laughs> when they were on primetime TV. But in the NFL, you can't really do load management because only 17 games, every, so much is at stake. Yeah, absolutely. So that's going to be different this year. The way that they're actually doing this, I was really curious, and I had asked you earlier, I didn't know what was going on. Like, who gets an extra home game this year? Because that's the problem. When you have an odd number of games in your schedule, half the teams get an extra home game. The other half do not. And that's a huge advantage. So I guess it's this year the AFC gets the extra home game. Next year, the NFC gets the extra home game. I feel like if you're going to expand, it would make a lot more sense to have an even number in terms of expanding the schedule. Yeah, probably. But then you really start running. I mean, what are we going to push the NFL season into March for the Super Bowl? <laughs> they I would mean, love that. Yeah, maybe. But I, it just... You know, February is such a nice kind of ending point, and then yeah, you have pitchers and catchers reporting soon thereafter. I, I don't know. Maybe is there too much of a good thing, or is too much so. of a good thing a good thing? Well, I felt like last year we had the expanded uh, postseason field, and for what it added, it was like two extra games, and it was just like okay, two crummy games because you're going to watch a two seed play a seven seed. I don't need this. Like, get let's get to the action and let's have the regular season mean a little more and not just throw in a couple more extra playoff teams. Yeah, I just it's it's going to be interesting. Watch, we're going to be we're going to have it blow up in our faces somehow. <laughs> like after week sixteen, there will be a bunch of tie game or uh, teams tied for a division lead or something, <laughs> and week seventeen will be the tiebreaker. Uh, <laughs> week eighteen. Oh, right. Week 18. And we'll, and we'll see uh, game 17 and we'll see the plan come to fruition perfectly. So one other change, I unless you have any others to note, they're cracking down on taunting penalties this year. So uh, this is an interesting situation because Major League Baseball has been 
um, and maybe maybe uh, fairly so, maybe maybe a little too far. But MLB has been criticized for a long time about the unwritten rules of the game. It's like you got to let the players express themselves, have fun. And now the NFL is doing the opposite of that because they're going to be tightening up on these taunting penalties. Yeah, I really, I really hate it. I really hate it when they do things like this because they put referees in a terrible position where, you know, the players obviously are most of the time excited and that's what they're celebrating. And then the refs have to kind of make this really subjective judgment call that is just so apt for people to say, oh, they're clearly against us. Um, and the, it just, it's a terrible situation for them. There's no clear lines going to be written for this. It's just what, where, how much taunting is too much taunting. Who's asking for this? Like the thing that I don't understand is when these leagues are like, oh, we're going to change this. And it's like, no one is complaining about this as a problem, but we're just going to change it anyways. Apparently the owner of the New York Giants was very happy to see this. Um, You know, there you go. I think he's related to Joaquin Phoenix now. Really? I think, I think Joaquin Phoenix is uh, set to have an ownership stake in both the Steelers and the Giants. If I, I know. Yeah. Is he with the, with the, with the Mara family or the Rooney family? the, The Mara family. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, on that note, <laughs> let's dive into the joke. We're really... taking over the NFL, Jack. <laughs> I can tell we're getting off the rails here. So we're going to bring it back. <laughs> let's preview the AFC East and we will be giving you our, uh, we, we got a win over under number here. And these are all courtesy of whatever casino ESPN is partnering up with. Cause this is all on ESPN's website. Um, please do not take our advice because Take everything that I'm saying with a grain of salt. I'm someone that does not, as many of you know, this is not a secret. I don't pay much attention to the NFL offseason. When the NFL gets going, I watch and I comment on it, and I, I, I'm in tune with everything that's going on, but not over the not over the spring, not over the summer. So I'm jumping back in. That's why we got CJ here to help me out. But take everything that I say with a grain of salt and do not use any of our tips or advice this is not these are not tips or advice these are just our uh unfiltered thoughts that's a very nice waiver you know i'm not responsible for you losing money out there (laughs) i feel like people only lose money from gambling anyway so yeah probably except for uh jeopardy james jeopardy james there we go okay so Jeopardy James. I don't know how to. We got Joaquin Phoenix, Jeopardy James. Let's see what other names are dropping. dropping here. Yeah, a lot of name drops. Okay. Uh, how about the Buffalo Bills, the favorites to win the AFC East? They weigh in at 11 after losing the AFC championship game a season ago. I'm going to go. I'm going to go the over on that one. You're going um, over 11? I'm going over 11. I just don't. I mean, we. <laughs> I don't know if you watched any of the Bills Bears preseason. Game I did yet. actually. Okay. Yes, Mitch Trubisky's an entirely <laughs> new man over there, and it explains a lot too. Uh, and Josh I know Allen's development. And I know you loved it too, CJ. I know. Oh, you I loved every it. minute of that. We'll get the. I have plenty of thoughts on Bears and Bears fans and Bears management that we'll, uh, you know, we'll get to when we go to the NFC. 
But uh, for the Bills, I mean, I just don't see how they fall off uh, unless Josh Allen has a year where last year was basically a fluke, which I think would be a shock to most people because he looked legit throughout the year. It didn't. It wasn't one of those things where oh, he put together a couple of good games, but then he reveals himself <laughs> through another stretch of better teams. He was pretty. He was legit from start to finish and seemed to take that next stride in his development. And when you have a quarterback like that um, and you continue to surround him with bright offensive minds and good offensive pieces, I mean, the sky's the limit for them. I just don't see, I don't see them falling off. Yeah. um, And we'll be talking, we'll be making reference to this as the night goes along, as we preview this, but in terms of quarterbacks, I really think there are three guys that are in a class of their own. It's Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Patrick Mahomes. I think those three guys are in a league of their own, and there are a bunch of other guys who are kind of like knocking on the door of getting in there, and it can fluctuate from year to year. You see, like Russell Wilson a couple years ago was in that category, but last year he wasn't in that category by his performance. Um, Josh Allen has a chance to jump into that group this year. Josh Allen was an MVP candidate last year, and the Bills... They've been a fantastic defensive team. When I watch them, uh, I mean that's they're really they're a really good, well-rounded team, and I have to expect that they win the division this year. Well, yeah, you know, and they added, uh, I think they added just this last year, Aaron Rodgers' uh, buddy over there, Jake Kumaro. Oh, <laughs> so didn't know uh, that. You know, oh yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> apparently an all-star waiting. <laughs> Josh we'll Allen. The NFC. We'll get to that in the NFC. <laughs> Josh Allen does remind me a little bit of Aaron Rodgers in his play. I mean, he makes some of these throws where he just kind of floats it up there by the sideline that only his receiver can get it, or the ball's going to go out of bounds. Yeah, and he's got a cannon of an arm. Is a mobile quarterback can do a lot of different things. It just. He looked he looked the part last year after showing flashes the year before. He he looked like he had the game had slowed down for him and he put it all together. And they they kept their offensive coordinator, who was I know popular throughout uh head coaching searches and somehow didn't land a job, but you know, good for them. <laughs> <laughs> so uh good on the Bills. And by the way, at the end. We'll, uh, we'll reveal where we have these teams finishing. We'll have a Super Bowl pick and all that. Spoiler, I do have the Bills going pretty far. I like this Bills team a lot, so I'm not done talking about the Bills. Next up, we got the Miami Dolphins weighing in at 9.5 CJ. I'm going under. Ooh. I'm going under on the Miami Dolphins 9.5. I don't No, I, I just don't. I don't buy into Tua. So Period. last year, I believe they were 10 and six and they missed the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think they, if my memory serves correctly, I think I'll, I'll pull it up. Yeah, I think they benefited from a, a fairly light schedule. Um, and I think, uh, you know, kind of squeaked out some close games in there. And, and those, you kind of come back down to earth if you have a lot of close games. I might be wrong on that, but that's what my memory serves on them. But I just don't – I just – I Tua doesn't do it for me at this point. 
So I'm good. I'm I do like this Dolphins team quite a bit, and I think that I'm still in on Tua because let me tell you why. Tua yeah. last year. He's coming off a, a hip surgery. It's really that's a surgery where if you have a hip, that's a really hard to get back into a normal throwing motion from the hip. And so yeah, you know, he came back from that without a preseason. He really only played seven or eight games last year. And they went out, they got him uh Jalen Waddle. So he's got a big time receiver, a th- potentially a big time receiver to throw to. Uh, they had some other moves to make the team a little better. I think that this Dolphins team now last year, 10 and six, I think they, I think they'll be back around 10 wins once again this year. Maybe I just don't, you know, they're, they're looking at their schedule. There are some toss up games there um, that, you know, if you're one of those teams that are looking to get into the playoffs, you got to win, right? You got Indianapolis, the Raiders on there, even the Falcons on there. Uh, their schedule does get easier, you know, down the road at the end there. You got Jets, Panthers, Giants. So maybe they'll make a little uh, a run there. But I just don't – I'm just not a believer. I didn't love what I saw from Tua. Um, and, I'll, you know, if this is where my judgment on quarterbacks goes awry and this is held against me for a long time, so be it. <laughs> I think is my thing is just wait and see with Tua. I don't, I don't think I know. I don't know what he is. He could really go either way at this point. I'm not. I shouldn't expect him to be good, but I am expecting him to be better than he was last year, which isn't a very hard thing to do. And so, if he's just a little bit better than he was a year ago, they won ten games. Maybe the schedule's a little tougher. I think they can win. They could go ten and seven. I'll get. I'll take the ten wins on Miami Dolphins. I think they'll end up in that eight nine range. Okay. Okay. All right. The New England Patriots are also at nine and a half. Last year, Patriots finished seven and nine. Oh, this one's a tough one. Um, I'm going to go over. I think they get to ten. Why is that? They were looking not bad with Cam as their quarterback last year, and then he got COVID, and it you know, kind of derailed their season. They had a lot of opt-outs last year. Uh, I mean, they were playing pretty shorthanded, um, both with losing their starting quarterback. You know, to, No matter what you think about Cam, he was their best option last year, uh, and they were playing pretty well with him. And this year they were very active in free agency, uh, surrounding Cam with better pieces. Defense is getting guys back. They were active there too. It's just you give Bill Belichick the you know the guys on on the team to make it work, and I think he's going to make this one work. So, how many wins would you go? Do you think this is a playoff team? I I'd go 10. 10. 10. Okay. Ten wins. Ten and seven. Okay. I think I would actually. I'm more in on Miami than I am with New England. I mean, I saw what happened last year. And I know they were active this year. Quarterback is concerning for me. I'm not not in on this Cam Newton thing. I do like Mac Jones quite a bit, though. I think Mac Jones is going to be a pretty solid NFL quarterback. Um, so it'd be interesting to see when we see Mac Jones out there, if we see him this year. And they haven't named a starter for week one at this point, have they, CJ? I don't think so. But are you so you think it's going to be Mac Jones? 
Uh, I don't. I feel like I feel like they'd start with Cam. I think that seems like. I mean, it, it's hard to predict because we haven't seen a quarterback controversy in New England since the days of Drew Bledsoe and Tom Brady when you had both those guys, and that was 20 years ago. So there's really no way to to guess. But what what do you think? No, I, I think Cam wins it. I think yeah, and and I think they will probably take it easier on on Max development. Yeah, um, I'm not as in tune with New England fans as I am with uh, other uh, teams that have rookie quarterbacks. <laughs> but I, I don't know if there are, are loud. There's a lot of noise to get Mac in there over Cam. Um, I haven't seen it, if if it is. And I think they brought Cam back for a reason. I think they believe in him. And they gave him they gave him pieces. I think they got him both Hunter Henry and uh, Johnny Smith. So I, I just think that this team can – make some noise and I mean their game to watch is what is this week four a Sunday night game at uh home against Tampa Bay oh they, and they did not play each other last year did they no they didn't what's the what's the first four or five games looking like for them CJ Miami Jets Saints Tampa Texans all right so you're thinking three and two through that stretch I think three and two at a minimum Oh, okay. I mean, yeah. I, think, I, I don't think. I guess the, yeah, the Saints are what we know them to be. I like, don't think they go five and zero, but that that should be, um, you know, that should be at least three. Okay, okay. I think I'm gonna say, I think they're. I think this is actually a really good number for them. The nine and a half. I think they're gonna be somewhere in between that eight or nine wins. I don't quite have them going into ten wins. I like Miami a little more. I think Miami's on the up. I think. New England may not be on the up anymore. Um, so I, th- I think that's where we differ. Yeah, I mean, we're we're really not that far apart. Yeah. Um, but we I mean, don't feel super strong about no, but this eight, team. The difference between 8 to 10 wins is probably a playoff berth. Yeah, and not worth putting money on if you're listening. <laughs> but maybe it is. <laughs> Okay, and finally, the New York Jets. They went out and they drafted Zach Wilson, number two out of number two overall in the past NFL draft from BYU. Now, I did watch Zach Wilson play quite a bit last year. I was very impressed. I think he's going to be a very good NFL quarterback. It sounds like they're going to have him start from the get go, which I don't like. They have no one else. Yeah. It's not like they not like they have options over there. <laughs> like if he starts struggling, what are they going to do? I mean, so, it's, they're ride or die with him. So Zach Wilson went into camp last year and had to earn the starting job. So he really only started one year of college, and he had to he had to fight for that job going into that year. So he clearly ascended pretty quick. A guy like that, I want to sit for a year on the New York Jets get used to the New York media scene and everything and let Zach Wilson start next year. I don't think this is going to be a great team. Don't line him up and have him get hurt. I, I I think it does differ by situation in terms of if you're going to have a rookie start early in the season, but I would not have this guy open up week one for the New York Jets for what's not supposed to be a very good football team. 
Yeah, I mean, it's when it comes to starting or sitting rookie quarterbacks, it definitely seems the trend is leaning, if not leaning, totally on the stardom right away out the gate. But I do think it differs by situation. Like a guy like Joe Burrow last year, he was clearly pretty ready. It, it, mentally, he was he knew what he was doing, and it was about kind of catching up to that speed and getting adjusted to the league. So a guy like him, I don't think it would have served him all that well to spend a year on the bench. Uh, I, I think him playing helped out a lot. Um, Zach Wilson, I don't, you know, he's clearly got all the physical traits um, and has looked pretty good in the preseason. Try not to read too much into preseason performances. I've been fooled by them before. <laughs> um, but I, it's just, He's got a decent receiving core, too. Jameson Crowder and Corey Davis. That's true. Uh, and then whatever you think about Denzel Mims. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I know there was a lot of noise in Bangledom to draft him <laughs> last year, and I'm very glad they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so the Jets are at six. That's their number. And Robert Sala, new head coach, a lot of people are in on him from uh, he came over from the San Francisco 49ers. And he, of course, had that police escort to the Knicks playoff game uh, this past spring, which was not a good way to win over the New Yorkers. But he can win them over if they go over six wins this year. Can you see it, CJ? No. Yeah, me neither. No, I, I just I no. i just don't they're clearly they're a bottom team and i'm looking at their schedule it's like maybe they beat the panthers broncos falcons texans philly jacksonville so i mean i I think those are the only ones that pop out to me as I mean there's a game against the Bengals but I'm not giving them that one um, <laughs> and that's like you know that's expecting the team to win all the games that are reasonably in their realm and I that typically doesn't happen yeah I will also go under I looked at their roster sometime recently and I was like there are a lot of guys on here I just haven't heard of and that's not a good sign that's really not a good sign. And that's why I would start Zach. I would have Zach Wilson. I would not have him open up as the starter for this team in New York. I I hope the situation works out well for him because I think he, I think his ceiling is so high, CJ. I think he could end up, he has a talent to be the best quarterback in this draft class. That's the kind of ceiling we're looking at with Zach Wilson. Um, and that's saying something. Yeah, for sure. But it's, I don't see it for the Jets this year. No, not this year. Okay, so let's. Well, I don't know what, do you know what their offensive line situation looks like? I don't. I, don't I, I wish I did. <laughs> I know there's only like five teams in the league that are happy, like <laughs> actually happy with their offensive line. It's so true. It's so <laughs> true. All right, let's go to our AFC North here, and we got two teams that are at 10 and a half. That's the Baltimore Ravens, the Cleveland Browns. Which team do you like more, CJ? I like the Ravens more. Why is that? 
they've been so consistent. Um, Lamar Jackson is not having the fall off that some expected that he would. He wasn't a one year kind of pop on the scene. He won a playoff game last year. Yeah. But he couldn't do that. Yeah. He's not just kind of, he's not that flash in the pan kind of guy. And I don't like Cleveland. That might be my bias (laughs) speaking. I don't like Baker. I don't, I know that they looked good, especially down the stretch last year. I know they hung tough with the chiefs. Um, I just, it just Brown smell like a team that will collapse. And they, the Bengals hung tough with them both games of the year and should have won the second one. The defense fell apart in the last minute, you know, and that Bengals team wasn't anything special. So I, I just, I see a fall off coming for the Browns. That's interesting because I think this is the boomer bust year for the Browns. It's it's either going to happen this year or, I mean, both these teams, I think the good news for both uh, your team and my team, CJ, is that they're going to have to pay their quarterbacks pretty soon. And so last few years, both these guys, Baker and Lamar, they came out of the same draft and they were on those rookie contract, uh, rookie quarterback contracts, which is not a lot of money. So you can assemble a very talented roster around these quarterbacks for, for a cheap price. They're going to have to pay those guys after this year. Mahomes just got paid. And so the Browns are going to, I mean, have fun paying Baker Mayfield a lot of money. I mean, (laughs) so I think, I think the Browns though, having said that, I think it it could, again, it's boom or bust for them. I actually like the Browns a little more this year tell the truth yeah i'm looking at their schedule now and it's a lot easier than i was hoping it was going to be um <laughs> but i'm not i'm not i'm not walking it back i think that's a lot of that just means there's more room for bigger disappointment <laughs> i will say to baker's credit he has matured i think significantly from when he came into the league when he came into the league i thought he was going to have a similar trajectory to to Johnny Manziel minus some of the life choices that Johnny Manziel made and Baker we saw him he was talking so much trash in college he was doing stuff like we threw the football at the TCU player's face and just just stuff like that it was very immature and I feel like he he matured a lot over the last two years um, where you're not really hearing about what's Baker doing now. What's he saying? What I feel like he's, he's matured a little bit last year. I don't think Baker is a great quarterback by any stretch of the imagination, but he's a guy that if he, he can play well enough, you can win games. Uh, so I'll give him, I'll give him a little props there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say, anything too negative about him so that's okay other than his commercials are i've had it with them it's <laughs> like what yeah well you know you the feel thing- like you have to earn that type of you know real estate on my tv the amount of commercials you're in <laughs> on everything i watch it's just I, I feel like you have to earn that at a certain point and well, maybe all last four- year he did but he was on there before so they're all for the progressive insurance company, which is based out of Cleveland. So it's just, it was just kind of a perfect storm for them. But that's it's not why. just in the it's just not it's not just in the Cleveland market though. No, yeah, it's you're right. Me too. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's what they, I don't know what they're doing. Okay. So the Cleveland <laughs> Browns have never won the AFC North. Did you know that? I didn't know that, but it makes sense. Can you guess their last division title? Is it the AFC Central? Uh, no, I, no. 1989. I am going to pick the Cleveland Browns to win the division this year. For the first time, they're going to win the AFC North. That's my prediction. Yeah, well, I I won't like that. That'll make me very unhappy. Oh, I I feel the same way. I hope I'm wrong. I I still think it's Ravens. Okay, so I just, are you, would you go? Would you, you would go over the ten and a half for Baltimore? Correct. And then, how would you go over or under the ten and a half for uh, Cleveland? My mind is saying over. My heart says right at 10. Actually, my heart says way lower. (laughs) But we're not going to go way lower because that's unreasonable. So I'll say right at 10 under. All right, CJ. We'll we'll come back to the Steelers next. I want to get – you're so excited. You're wearing your Joe Burrow jersey. (laughs) The Cincinnati Bengals are at six and a half. Tell me about this Bengals team because you seem very excited. Yeah, I am excited. We find we have the pieces. They've spent in free agency on defense the last two years. They've been hit hard with injuries um, with Trey Waynes and then DJ Reader, both last year's big free agency signings going down. Uh, Von Bell really stepped it up in the second half. Jesse Bates established himself as a star player. Uh, at the safety position, the linebackers were all, I think they were all rookies last year or Jermaine Pratt was in his, uh, second or third year. And then he also started stepping it up towards the end of the season. So then the action in free agency, it seems like they're just putting together on the defensive side, a nice mix of players, uh, old and young to make it work. I'm not going to say they're going to be stars. I think they will be better than most are expecting, but the excitement is obviously on the offensive side. Uh, they took a lot of heat for not drafting Penny Sewell. Um, and I thought a lot of that was unwarranted because everybody agreed. I, I'm, I'm no draft evaluator. Did I see anybody saying that Jamar chase wasn't a clear top five talent? And when, you have the chance to get a top five talent. And it's not like the Bengals had good receivers in T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, but it's not like it wasn't a position of need. A.J. Green got a lot of targets last year and started the season as the number one receiver last year, and he was gone. So receiver was a need. And when you have a guy, when you have the chance to pick a guy like that, and all of a sudden you got Joe Burrow, a trio of receivers in Higgins, who is looking phenomenal, Boyd, Chase, and a running back in with Joe Mixon. You have the pieces of an offense that could be really explosive. The offensive line, obviously, a question mark. Um, the I think a lot of people underestimate how big the Riley Reef signing was for them, how weak that position was last year. I mean, that upgrade is a massive upgrade. 
they're still having some some trouble at the guard spots. Um, but I mean, even if they're, they're able to get that to be average, uh, you'll you're going to see a huge jump in production. And Joe Burrow last year, even with a bad line, looked really good a lot of the times, including both games against the Cleveland Browns. You're kind of talking me into them on this over, huh? Yes, I'm, you know, <laughs> they need to. I just, this is the year. Joe Burrow's back. Everything kind of came together. We have the skill pieces on the on offense. Defense should hold together pretty well. Unfortunately, it's all going to come down to that offensive line. It's um, a tough division, too. And it's a tough division. Uh, going to the AFC South, you might win the AFC South with this team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. But also, I mean, you look at their schedule, and I think those are four winnable games right off the bat. Minnesota, Chicago, Pittsburgh, Jacksonville. You get a team like this that clearly has the talent, and you get them off to a good start to the season, and they can make they can build from there and make some noise. And so that's what I'm hoping for. Um, maybe a little too optimistic. But then even after that, Green Bay, then we got Detroit, then Baltimore, then the Jets. First half of the season, that's a lot of winnable games for them. Yeah, that could be – that seems like I would have them probably around in that like six or seven range. I think that's – I think the six and a half is a really good number. I'm going to go seven, eight. Seven – Sorry, seven or eight, as you're saying? Yeah. Okay. All right, so you're going over, and I would – I honestly don't know. Would I be a real Bengals fan if I wasn't going over? (laughs) Of course, of course. Four and 11 and one. I'll say under just because of the division. It's tough. And I'm going to go – let's talk Steelers. I feel like you're you're definitely low on the Steelers this year. They're eight and a half is their number. And uh, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. Get your well, thoughts up. Well, I want to, well, I mean, they look like they ran out of, or either ran out of gas or were exposed in the second half last year. Uh, and I don't know if it started with that Monday night showing against the Bengals. <laughs> but <laughs> I had it's to get just, that one in there. For, for years, for years, it's been the Steelers are the, the kings of, of that division, even when the Bengals won it a couple times uh, with Andy Dalton and with Carson Palmer, it was always like, yeah, you might have won it and squeaked it out during the regular season, but, you know, they still got your number. And they're the, they're the real power in the division. And to see that dynamic change so abruptly, it's like, you know, the, the Bengals' demons were primetime games and Pittsburgh Steelers. And to see that come to an end, I think the Steelers were 11 and 1 at the time or 11 and 2, something like something that. Something like that. Yeah. But to go in against the Bengals team that is on their third string quarterback in Ryan Finley, who I think right now is still struggling to make a roster spot somewhere. <laughs> and to see that quarterback run it into the end zone and do a finger roll, <laughs> it's like you know, we're, we're not afraid of this team anymore. There's nothing we're over it. That's the past. <laughs> so the Steelers, okay, here's here's what I think happened to them last year. So they 
did not really get a true bye week or a mini bye. They had two games rescheduled. So they had their bye. It was like week four. And it was just like three days notice. It's like, oh, you got a bye week now because the Titans can't show up. Well, then the Ravens were supposed to play on Thanksgiving. And that guy got that game ended up getting moved to a Tuesday. And then they had a lot of injuries. They didn't really have a bye week. That somewhat of an older team. And the the but in terms of like the actual problems on the field that I saw, there was whether you want to say there was no running game or if there was just no desire to have a ground game, there was no ground game. And truly, I think this is where since I watch every Steelers game and they're my team. And I guess I don't know what the pulse of the Steelers fan is, but I would guess most of them are probably have a similar thought to what I have. And that's the narrative from the Nash from the outsiders is like, Oh, the Steelers have this amazing receiving core. Like, Oh, these, these receivers are so great. Last year they were up at the top of the league in terms of drops. And if this receiving core is so great, then why didn't Mason Rudolph win with them a year before that when the team was healthy? I thought that Ben Roethlisberger elevated the play of the team and took them from a team that without him, they were like around seven or eight wins to last year winning. I think it was a total of 12 games, 13 games. I thought, and really, if you look at what were the differences, they got Chase Claypool, who was, clearly the best receiver on the team. He's the one guy of those receivers that I truly trust. Um, And then they got Roethlisberger back. And I thought Roethlisberger was actually very, very good last year. I thought in the first half, he he should have been an MVP level candidate. Now he wasn't going to win MVP, but I, I thought he had a good year. And a lot of the time, what I hear is like, oh, well, Ben, he has such great receivers and so many great pieces around him. But there was no ground game and you had Juju dancing on TikTok every week. And really him and Ebron or Ebron's going on podcasts and he's saying he doesn't feel appreciated by the fans. And it's just like, there's just a lot of baggage and drama with some of these receivers who weren't even playing well on the field. I, I think that a lot of their success last year, should be credited. I mean, I'd say the the two reasons why were they good last year, their defense and Ben Roethlisberger. And so, okay. Do you think Ben is on the downhill? Well, he's clearly not 25 years old anymore. He's, he's, he's 38 now, I think is. So there's naturally things that you can't do at age 38 that you could when you were 28. Last year, they really were the, the the offensive coordinators gone, by the way, and that can be attributed to the lack of the ground game, but also like their offensive scheme with Roethlisberger was dump the ball out as quick as possible. And while it was effective, there came a certain point where it became predictable for the rest of the league. And we didn't get to see him air it out a whole lot until late in the season when there were some games where they were trailing, such as that Cleveland game where Cleveland, you could talk about how Cincinnati's got the confidence after they beat the Steelers on the Monday night game. Cleveland absolutely wrecked the Steelers in that playoff game. It was 
Yeah, but they were, you know, that was that was getting the leftovers. <laughs> we we took it down. And then you know they, and then they the second, came along. The second half of that game, they start throwing the ball downfield. It gets a little interesting. And unfortunately, they were down 28 points. They were 28 nothing and they couldn't get back. They they could not come back from that deficit. Um and then they, there was a Colts game where they were down and Ben brought him back, airing the ball down the field. I think there's a little more left in Ben's tank than people might see or realize. But I'm also going off last year. And so could he be, I mean, is he going to be as good as he was a year ago? Maybe not. I, I will That's say, question. Last, last year's Steelers had a lot of the feel of I think it was the 2015 Bengals team where it was like, wow, this team might be special. This team is really good. Um, And then it comes crashing down. For the Bengals, it was that wild card game uh, against the Steelers where uh, Perfect and then Pac-Man and Jeremy Hill fumbles. And, And after that, it was like this era is over. This Marvin Lewis, Andy Dalton, A.J. Green, for a lot of people, it was like that. It felt like this era we had reached as far as we could. That was our chance to maybe can keep it going. And it was de- so devastating that it was over. And then the Bengals tried to keep it going for a little bit, kept Marvin Lewis on for another two years. Andy Dalton stuck around. They kept the court, you know, and, tr- and it just never worked again. And last year for the Steelers, it had that feel at the second half of the year both on the Monday night game against the Bengals and then, you know, the exclamation point being put on in that playoff game against the Browns. Like, it's over. The era's done. There's a changing of the guard in the AFC North, and it's kind of, you know, you're going to have to reinvent yourself from here. Um, and it even in the offseason now, it still has that feel. Cleveland, as much as I wasn't high on them last time, I think they look better than the Steelers. The Ravens don't look like they're going away anytime soon. And well, I mean, my my counter to that is they're going to have some cap restrictions coming up in a year or two. Both those teams, they pay those quarterbacks. Okay, well then, who's the Steelers' quarterback going to be? That's a great point. And in fact, I or would. Are they going to be in a position to take advantage of it? And then, no matter what you think of, like, oh, whether this year the Bengals make a jump or not, I think most would say that's a team that looks to be on the rise. Yeah, and I think the thing is, what I would say is, I think that was a good comparison you made. And I remember you saying, like, after that game, when the when the Bengals lost that playoff game, it's kind of like, well, what do you do? Like, what, what changes do you make? And I had the same thought with the Steelers team because clearly it's a playoff-level team. And I think they will... To, to uh, I think they're going to win 10 games this year. I think they're stuck in a situation here where they're too good to really peak up at that top five, top 10 in the draft board. Like there's too much talent on that defense. TJ Watt and uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, a bunch of other playmakers as well. You got Joe Hayden still there. And then on offense with Ben healthy, Two years ago without Ben, I mean, they still, it was like they won too many games. That was a chance two years ago to tank when Ben Ben goes out week two and the front office went all in 
traded for Minka Fitzpatrick, and Mason Rudolph was not good enough. He was not a guy that you're going to go to the playoffs with. So are you going to just like, like you can't really kick Ben off the team because Ben was the reason the team was good last year. So like, what, what do you do here? You're stuck. Yeah. And I hate to break it to you looking at their schedule. It looks like a similar tale could be told this year. Um, Maybe not to quite the extreme. It was last year where they were 11 and 0 and then the wheels (laughs) fell off, but their first, Front half of the schedule looks like they'll find themselves in a position where, you know, they'll be in the top of the standings or near the top of the standings or clearly in the hunt. And then you have your last four weeks, Tennessee, Kansas City, Cleveland, Baltimore. That is a, especially as we were talking about a seven, uh, 17 game season to finish your season with four teams that are going to be most likely legit. Um, you could really see them falling out of the playoff picture there. Yeah. So I would say, I still think I, I don't disagree with you. I think they're going to get 10 wins. I think that's going to end up being good enough because you have these, uh, the third wild card spot. So I would put them in with, uh, with Cleveland and Baltimore and then another wild card from somewhere else in the league, which we'll, we'll get to that. Um, but I think I think they're going to get in. I also think Najee Harris is a huge upgrade at running back from what they were running out there last year. Uh, but there's the offensive line really needs to. They need a big upgrade offensive line from what they got last year to this year. I don't know where it comes. I don't know. I I truly again I don't follow the offseason stuff as closely, so I don't know who they're even suiting up there in the preseason on the on the offensive line, but. I mean, it's like, you know, this could be the Dwayne Haskins show in a year from now. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe. You know what's you know what game I have scheduled for them or circled on their schedule? What is that? November 8th, Monday night game. They're hosting the Chicago Bears. Now, most likely, Justin Fields will be the quarterback. Most likely. But Probably. If not... Andy Dalton. That is everything Andy Dalton that keeps Andy Dalton awake at night. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I would love to see Andy Dalton again. That would be. I'm sure you would love nothing more than to see Andy Dalton in Pittsburgh on a Monday night. <laughs> I'm sure that that's just something that, you know, that you dream about and he has constant nightmares. Of. <laughs> Anything else on the Steelers, CJ? I feel like we. No, I'm going to go under. I just, I don't, I don't yeah. like them. I've never liked them. <laughs> <laughs> so how many wins? Uh, six. Six wins. Yeah, you know, because who, because, you know, because who needs well, them? To tell you, to tell the <laughs> truth, I would not mind a six win season. If that's a top five pick, you finally get to draft a new quarterback. That would be that I would rather I'd I think I'd rather take like a four win season than a ten win season at this point. Yeah, probably. You're in that yeah. weird like no man's land. Yeah. But, be nice to get Spencer Rattler or uh yeah, or I, gotta be honest, yeah I don't uh, you know, it's way too early for me to know the uh quarterback prospects coming up in the draft and who to who to tank for. And it probably is, you know, generally too early. 
Yeah. At this point, I never in whatever, what was it, two years ago, I never would have been like, oh, time to bungle for Burrow. <laughs> well, I will say, if you guys uh if you guys want to know who those quarterbacks could be, listen to the Jack Vita show college football preview that we just taped earlier this there week. There we go. There's the plug. Nice, nice plug. AFC South. It's pretty clear who's yeah, probably going to I would to win say this so. <laughs> yeah, it sure seems that way. Tennessee Titans favored. I mean, their number is oh my gosh. This is really interesting, CJ. Yeah. This is oh my goodness. I'm looking at these numbers. So the Titans are at nine and a half. The Colts are at eleven. How? Hey, because who doesn't believe in a in a Wentz bounce back year? <laughs> I'm kind of hoping for it. I was I got in arguments with people last year where I was maybe too pro Wentz, but <laughs> so, so <laughs> we kind of have to hope for it. But yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, they clear the Colts clearly have a good team. It's a good team. I, I would have loved to see them make the move for Matthew Stafford. I think yeah. that would have brought them to, I mean, potentially we'll talk Rams later, but I'm, I'm very high on the Rams this year. Yeah. And uh, I think that would have been a better move, but with Carson Wentz, it's like, we've heard different bits and pieces of information. Some have said initially there was a report that he was going to miss five to 12 weeks. And now some are saying, well, actually he'll play week one. Or he's going to play. I, I don't know what's going on with Wentz. I do know he holds on to the ball a little too long. This is a good opportunity for him to be reunited with who was uh, their head coach was his offensive coordinator. Is that is that right? Reich. Yeah. Frank Reich. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Opportunity I mean, for him. One thing on him was he was just playing a lot of hero ball last year. Um, it wasn't a good situation for him. Uh, the the team around him wasn't great. They missed on I. It's too early to say missed, but they didn't immediately help him with a wide receiver uh, in Rager. So I mean, you know, maybe he turns out to be good, but I think he was drafted ahead of Jefferson. I I believe I that's think. correct. Yeah, and he was drafted ahead of T Higgins too. Um, and so either of those guys would have been. May probably would have been really helpful without a doubt, but yeah, he just is that a mental barrier that he can simplify it and get back to doing what he did in that year he was in the running for MVP, or is he just kind of that's who he is now, and he's kind of a weird gunslinger type quarterback who takes really bad risks. <laughs> he didn't look yeah. great again in that game against the Bengals. I will say that. <laughs> it was like my only game where I watched every snap of his. It was not good. So I'm going to go under the 11 on this Colts team. I think that I just, I'm not sold on Carson Wentz being healthy to play a full, not, not even 16 games, 17 games this year, CJ. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go under on that. I think they'll probably, you know, what? I think I'll go. I could see, you know what I could see? I could see them getting off to a slow, let's say, Let's say it becomes clear at a certain point that Carson Wentz is not the answer. I could see them climbing up that draft board. Yeah, maybe. I could see just, them like five I, or six wins. Yeah, I'm just looking at their schedule, and I don't think I, I don't see 11. 
I just I, I don't know where you swing that. I think there's too many toss-up games, even if you say that they're performing at really good uh, you know level. I, I think that I think they're gonna be under. I'm agree I'm going to agree with you. I don't know if this is the first agreement that we've had. <laughs> no, we've had a couple. Uh, right. the, the Titans are, I think that's a pretty easy nine and a half to go over on. I think yep. they're far and away the best team in this division. Um, and I really, I think the, the other two teams in this division, you got, you got the Jacksonville Jaguars first year with Urban Meyer. I think they could be kind of interesting. They're at six. I, well, I just don't, I don't understand the, the, Titans being so low, I guess, is yeah. Vegas not sold on A.G. Brown and Julio Jones? Are they, they think Ryan Tannehill comes. That's right. Know, they got Julio Jones, too. They, yeah. Do they think he comes back to earth? I, I don't know. I And the Derrick Henry, Julio Jones, A.G. Brown trio seems like a really intimidating trio that should be able to get more than nine wins. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. And Jacksonville, so they're at six. Urban Meyer comes in, Trevor Lawrence. Look, I, I know the Jaguars, uh, they're not really the favorite team right now, but I think they could be interesting this year. I mean, I'm not, I don't have lofty expectations for them, but you get Trevor in there, Trevor looks good, and maybe you end up around 500. Yeah, I don't know about 500, but... Um... I think this is a team that, you know, maybe towards the second half. Yeah, yeah I mean, second half something clicks, maybe. Yeah, and I hate to keep, you know, bringing everything back to Bengals reference. But <laughs> it's like, you know, the Bengals have have been there. I, I've been there. I know. It's like, yo, a new rookie quarterback, number one overall pick, kind of coming into a situation that isn't great. Um, and really the only reasonable expectation you can have in that is just that over the course of the year, he makes the strides and towards the second half starts winning some games. It's just, you know, anything else and you're, you're overshooting. I just want to say that this whole Tim Tebow story has been so overblown because it was like, look, they did not bring him in expecting him to make the 53-man roster. Tim Tebow came into camp as a guy who Urban Meyer knows. He's a good guy. He's a good veteran guy. Just have him in camp. He's a good, you know, some of these guys grew up loving him when he played college football. So there, he's definitely respected in some regard. The Mets teammates and the minors, they respected him as a guy. So it's just like bring him in and maybe he could be a practice squad guy who sticks around. And I think maybe he ends up on the coaching staff potentially. Um, you look like you disagree. No, I don't disagree. I, I agree with you that it was totally overblown. And you kind of take your, uh, you know, your signals from the players, right? Because it was kind of a, when he was doing his MLB or baseball. Uh, yeah. You know, minor journey. league baseball. Yeah. yeah. There was a lot of talk there about oh how this might be a publicity stunt or something like that. It's like you don't you don't go to the minors and actually do a full minor league season as a publicity stunt. Like that's not how you make that one go. That's a really weak one. But also if according to all sources and how the teammates treat him, he was showing up to work. He was putting everything he had into it. 
he clearly was showing some improvement over the course of that time. He had one year where he bad like 270 in double A. Like yeah, that, that's, so, that's, that's an above average minor league player, by the way. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, if and it seems the same way with the Jaguars here. It it didn't seem like he came in expecting special treatment. It didn't seem like any of them had any problem with him. He wasn't a distraction at camp in any way. Looks like, you know, he was a shocker. He was not a good tight end. Like, yeah. All right. No one was expecting him to be, and there was no possibility that he was going to take away a roster spot from someone yeah. that deserved it. Because if if you're losing a tight, you're a, you play tight end your whole life, and Tim Tebow takes a roster spot from you, maybe you're not that good of a tight end. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just wasn't. It seemed like it worked out the way we all thought it would. It's, yeah, got a chance. It didn't. It didn't happen for him. He tried. I, you know, good on him. Good for him. I whatever. Yeah, I, I just can't imagine caring. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, but the other thing than, well, is now I care because I care about people having stupid opinions. Yes. <laughs> the thing is, is that the reason why I bring it up is because this has been like there's a media hit job right now on Urban Meyer. And it's like, ooh, this is the same thing. We do this all the time. It's like Tony La Russa has been out of the game too long. He definitely can't do it. It's like. I'm not going to say that I know for certain that he can do it, but let's let's wait and see. Let's see if he can do it. Herm Edwards can't coach college football. Well, Herm Edwards is doing a pretty good job with that Arizona State program. John yeah, Gruden, only because he got Marvin Lewis on the staff. <laughs> That's true. I mean, we go through this all the time, and it feels like this is the same thing, and it's like, oh, yeah, he brought Tebow in and then lost the locker room. And this is all just media-driven, created stuff like – we need to actually see that happen. Urban Myers excelled at every level that he's coached at. Their team's probably not going to be good this year, um, but they're building something for the future here with Trevor. Yeah, and I and it's you know you won't know until later in the season what, what's yeah. going on there, and they don't really have a great foundation to build on. It's you know <laughs> I think their best is their best receiver Marvin Jones. I think their best receiver is Marvin Jones, and former Bengal. Yeah, and he was a great Bengal. I liked him a lot, but also yeah, he's like, good. He was never even at his top. He was never our number one receiver. Like <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, so it's not exactly like he's got a great situation there. Over or under six, uh, probably under. I'm gonna go okay. Under. Yeah, I think a push. I think six and eleven sounds about right. Yeah, I'll go under still. All right. <laughs> the Houston Texans. Now, CJ, I I got another uh, little rant here uh, that I, I I feel like I am about to step into here, and that's oh, this boy. whole Deshaun Watson thing. Okay, here we go. Yes. So Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. There there were really three star quarterbacks that were creating. I don't know what what would you call it? What were they doing this past off season? Uh, fooling around. No, that's a really <laughs> bad one. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how you would say that. I mean, it seemed like in the case of Deshaun Watson, it seemed like he was trying to force a trade out of the situation. Oh, easily, yeah. I don't think Russell Wilson actually was trying no. to get traded. But whatever he was doing, I don't think was very smart for a quarterback leader of a team 
Yeah. I mean, we can talk about that more in the NFC. Yeah. It, it seemed like there were the, the three degrees of what was going on. It's like Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson. Russell Wilson was probably the lightest in terms of really trying to force a trade and instead just trying to remind the Seahawks of the leverage that he has. Like, hey, help yeah. me out or watch how fast I can blow this up. And <laughs> uh, Aaron Rodgers was a little further down that line. Basically, like, I'm going to make my noise now. And it, this was probably always going to be the ending that he was going to have one last year here. Um, but, like, I'm making my noise now so that you can make your plans on how to get me out of here next year. Uh, and Deshaun Watson, from all accounts, it seems like, was full on, I'm out of here. Nothing you can do is going to make no – there's, you know, no more gives that you can give me. It's over. You know, trade me. And then his situation, you know, unfolded in an entirely uh, different, you know, way because of his other yeah. actions. But Yes. Yeah. But that, those were like the degrees of seriousness yeah. in terms of trade demands. I think that's a good breakdown. I think it's it's important to kind of address that while we're here in terms of what happened this past uh, this past spring and summer. Uh, Deshaun Watson was really trying to force his way out of the situation. Deshaun Watson has somewhere between 22 to 24 cases, allegations, accusations of sexual assault against him. Now, we won't get into that. That's not our place. But I think it's kind of funny. The fact that he just kind of shows up to camp and it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, how was your summer? I'm back, baby. Let's have some fun. Like, the thing is, is like I had this cat. My cat. Uh, <laughs> what? How did we go from that? <laughs> I had this cat. Okay. Okay. And this cat would you would be like petting the cat. It would be purring, and then it would like all of a sudden, after like a few minutes, you'd be purring. It'd be it would be purring. You'd be petting it. Be really happy. All of a sudden, just snap and bite you and get really mad. Like and not even playfully mad, like really mad, would leave the room, and then ten minutes later turn around, come back in the room, and act like nothing happened. That feels like this. That's what I feel like. Deshaun Watson is. I. <laughs> I have, um. <laughs> I guess I don't know. It seems like I don't. I don't know. It seems like something definitely went sour in the last year where he wasn't going to come back uh, for for anything. Um, but I don't know. His situation now is much more complex. It, the Texans, you know, maybe are wishing they traded him earlier, but there was no way of predicting the chaos and the awful things and all you know, all of that coming out. Um, it's just what do you, what do you do now? And he's showing up to camp, and he kind of gets snarky with reporters. And he's not going to be suspended. It appears he's just going to be available week one. Yeah, and it looks. I mean, they're gonna. There's a lot of legal implications there, and what's going on with you know their bargaining agreement and how each of those impacts each other. And so that's another whole complex. <laughs> I'm sure you can find a sports law, you know, podcast somewhere and, and you should start one. Yeah. Right. 
I have no <laughs> expertise in that area. Um, but it's just the the Texans are in just such a terrible spot, even, even if he was playing, even if absent all of that, they're just such a bad team. <laughs> <laughs> I, and, and then you add in that and then you, and you're just trying to piece together a somewhat competent football team that really undersold on Deandre Hopkins to, Bring in a running back who is clearly past his prime. Like, you know, I don't. It's just some really bad moves were made. And this is the result. Yeah. And I think the thing that I want to sort of clarify is the fact that everyone was like, oh, Deshaun wants to get out because the Texans are like the one of the worst NFL franchises that there are. And it's like. No, like they're in a bad situation right now. But if you were to look at the last 10 years, they've won the AFC South more than any other team. It's not necessarily a bad situation or a bad franchise to play for. I mean, you could look at other franchises such as the Cleveland Browns, who they haven't won a division title in 30 years. And like, you know, we talk about a, a number of these teams. The Lions haven't won a playoff game. In 30 years. I won't say the Bengals. Don't worry. I won't. I was getting nervous. (laughs) Like Houston, Texas, they're down on their luck right now. It's a sloppy situation. They're going to have to clean it up. But Deshaun Watson's like 25 years old. He signed that extension like three months before he demanded a trade. Why did he sign the extension? Yeah, I just, I don't, something happened. Something behind the scenes. There was some... You know, and maybe he's more sensitive to those kind of things than the normal player would be of, you know, those kind of quasi guarantees or, you know, whatever, whatever those communications are between player and front office and ownership. Um, You know, there was clearly a disconnect there that really impacted him and really soured him on the entire franchise. Um but yeah, in terms of actual franchise prestige, so to say, it's they're not a bad they haven't been bad over the course of, you know, their entire franchise. But the last 3 to 4 years have been well, I would say last 2 years have been really what last 1 year. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just that trade was inexplicable and and the consequences were so immediate and so clear and proved everybody. When you go out on a limb like that, you got to have some level of success to show for it, to justify it. But instead it blew up and like all the common sense takes were very right. And when all the common sense takes are very right, that's, you know, it's over. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Houston's at four wins over or under four wins. I think that makes uh, probably I'm going to go under. I think I'll go under too. I just don't know who they really beat. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I don't, I don't see any (laughs) Jacksonville, the Panthers. Um, 
the Jets and Jacksonville again. That's maybe where you get the four. But who's to say they're going to win all of those? I you know I don't think that I don't think they're going to be favored in all of those games. Yeah. The other game they're just every other team they're just so far below. The AFC West, the Kansas City Chiefs obviously favored. 12 and a half uh, is their number. They just paid Patrick Mahomes. So this year he makes like somewhere, which I think it's like a, around like 15 million. And then next year it jumps up into that 30 to 40 million range. So this could be the last year of that, that window in terms of having like a, a really great team. Yeah. I, I mean, as long as you got him and some decent, uh, like they're they're gonna be good, obviously, in yeah. the future with Mahomes. But I mean, like in terms like of having that, yeah, yeah, juggernaut, yeah, yeah. And I mean, they clearly they made a lot of moves this offseason to shore up that offensive line. Uh, clearly, didn't want to end up in a situation like they were in the Super Bowl last year. It's just you know where's where's the weakness at that point? Like, how do you get to this team other than you just kind of have to hope? That someone doesn't play their, you know, play their the way they're capable of on a certain day. Do you try to outscore them? Do you try to slow it down and kind of take your risk there? Of because if you really try to slow it down, you're playing your margin of error is really small, but maybe bigger than if you try to outscore them. It's just how do you approach this team when they have so many fast guys on offense? And a quarterback who can get it to every single one of them with ease. And even when it goes off script is still going to find a way. And then you have enough on defense. It's just, how do you beat this team? How many wins? Uh, They're going to go over. They're going to go 13 or 14 wins. I'll say 12, 12 and five. I mean, at this point, it's like you're really only there's really only one, I guess it does. The seating does matter, but I feel like when you're the chiefs, you've been back to the playoffs so many times, there might be a couple games down the stretch where gas isn't. Yeah. And maybe, the way. maybe they just run out of gas. Right. And yeah. That's just it. And who knows, but well, I mean, just like, Hey, let's be, let's be healthy for the playoffs. Let's yeah, for sure. But it's just hard to preemptively pick against them. Oh, and, in For pretty sure. much any game. Okay. Los Angeles Chargers are really seem to be everyone's favorite sleeper team this year. Their number is at nine. Justin Herbert had a fantastic rookie year. My thing is when I ask people, why do you like the Chargers? They say, I love Justin Herbert. I say, did you watch him play last year? And most of them say, no, I didn't watch him play last year. And to tell the truth, I didn't really watch those games either because they were West Coast games. A lot of them were just kind of meaningless in terms of the impact of the greater NFL picture. He had a great rookie year. Let's see him do it two years in a row. And then my other question is, why didn't they win more games last year? I mean, they went seven and nine last year, I think, which isn't a bad place to be. I just think there's a lot of there's a lot of smoke for this team. And I don't know if I'm totally buying them yet until I see it. Yeah, and I mean and you have a coaching change going on there. Um and so you hope that the new coaching staff is able to put in something that transitions well and is able to keep the success that Herbert had going forward. Um 
I, I have a bet with uh, with a friend, uh, you know, regarding who's going to have the better season, Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert. So I'm already on at least one record saying <laughs> uh, Herbert's going to have a sophomore slump. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not going to back away from that. I'm going to commit to it and say, yeah, this seems like a, a drop-off for Herbert. Yeah, I mean, let's just let's see what happens this year when there are a lot of expectations on this team. I mean, we saw what happened in Baker's sophomore year. It was not pretty. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, and they got, he got a, everything he wanted too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah, with this uh, with this Chargers team, then I ask, I was like, oh, I always say they're like, I'm like, why did they win more games? They're like, oh, they lost a lot of close games. And I say, well. Isn't that kind of a problem? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they also won a game in which Randy Bullock was supposed to send it to overtime. Yeah, that's true. Had a cramp in both legs, <laughs> even though he only held one while he was on the field. <laughs> and he comes off the field and he's like, no, 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 it was both. The that Denver- was only after offensive pass interference was called on AJ Green. <laughs> and so, yeah, I just, no. No. So I'm going to say under the nine. I think they're right around where they were a year ago. I think they're going to be seven and ten. I'd agree. I it's, I could see them being at eight. I think nine is probably the top that I see them at. Okay. The Denver Broncos are at eight and a half. How? How? Um, because Teddy Bridgewater, bro. <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater named the starter over Drew Locke. And I, I don't really understand what's the plan here. Like, are you trying to win a Super Bowl this year with Teddy Bridgewater as your starter? They've had this no, revolve. It's a save your job kind of situation. You think that you're more likely to get over 500 yeah. with Teddy Bridgewater than Drew Locke. That's true. And I, that's what it is. I, that's how I view it. Yeah. It's, it's clear that ownership isn't. In this type of move, at least, makes it clear to me that ownership isn't giving them the leash of like, no, the we're committed to Drew Locke and seeing his development. This is like a no, I need to see results out of you. And so if you're going to so, go with results, that's why you result in Teddy Bridgewater. Well, that's the Vic Fangio logic, right? Yeah, to save his own. So what's the John Elway logic? He probably doesn't believe in Drew Locke. <laughs> like, let's just be honest at this point. He probably I mean, why would you? Him. Yeah, he probably doesn't believe in him. Um, got they've had this revolving door of like replacement quarterbacks every year for like five years. They had the Case Keenum year. They had Joe Flacco, Drew Locke, now Bridgewater. There was probably there's someone before Keenum. I, I don't remember who it was. It's just like it's the same thing. They ever since Peyton Manning retired. Yeah, and Brock Osweiler was supposed to be the future of the franchise. <laughs> Didn't work out. No, I, I'm definitely going under on this eight and a half. This is one I feel quite confident in. I think this is a five-win team, CJ. Yeah, I, I I don't think I disagree with you. I'm trying to look at their schedule and see if there's – I mean, they could get off to a pretty good start, though. Giants, Jacksonville, Jets. You know – at that point, what you got 14 games to squeak out three more wins to get you over. 
So I don't know. It it seems like a five win team to me. Yeah. And then the Las Vegas Raiders, they're at seven this year. I'm actually surprised that they're the lowest in this division. I thought I would have guessed Denver would be. Uh, they've had some nice young players on that defense over the last couple of years. Yeah, it just this seems like another team that's kind of in no man's land. Yeah, they're not they're not good enough to be good, and they're not bad enough to be bad. And so it's like maybe they're able to squeak out a couple more wins, and oh, maybe they'll get a wild card spot, and probably not make any noise in the playoffs, but they'll have gotten there. Yeah, I think they could get in. I think they could get a wild card spot. I actually, because now we're at the end of the AFC, I'll give you my division winners here, and we can we can circle back to this Raiders yeah. conversation. So, I had the Bills, Browns, uh, Titans, Chiefs, and then my wild cards. I got uh, Ravens, Steelers, Dolphins. So I would have Raiders just missing out of that group. Okay. I think we're almost in agreement on division. Uh, but I have the Ravens. So, Bills, Chiefs, Ravens, and Tennessee. Um, and yeah, then after that, the wildcard teams. I'm going to go New England. Uh, yeah, I guess Las Vegas. You know what? We're going to go for it here, Jack. Yeah. We're going to say the Bengals. Yeah. <laughs> A wild card spot. <laughs> so the Bengals find their way in. Um, did I have? I think I had the Browns as as a nine win team. I don't remember exactly. Yeah, you. I yeah, you had enough wins. I think. So I think. It, yeah. Again, it's the difference between your gut and your head. My head says the Browns have enough to make it to the playoffs, but it it. It pains me to say it. It hurts a lot. But you know what? We'll do it. For you know, Ohio, they need a a good sports year. <laughs> Go with them. New England, Browns, Bengals. <laughs> All right. Two Ohio teams making the playoffs. I I do not know the last year that two Ohio teams made the playoffs. That would be oh, I'll have to look that one up. Yeah, that's you know, that's yeah. A, no, it hasn't been a long. It's been a long time. So this Raiders team, I think, will be solid. Uh, they did play the Chiefs. They seem to play the Chiefs fairly well. Like those games tend to be fairly close. So I'll go over the seven. I think they're going to be. I'll say ten wins. I'll say ten and seven. But it's not enough to get in to the playoffs. Yeah, I'll, I'll say they go like seven or eight wins. They're just, you know, they definitely get up for those games against the Chiefs, but they always kind of seem to fall. I think they won one game last year, right? Yeah, they did. But I think, you know, over the last couple of years, they just like, oh, it's like, wow, they played it really tight and then lost. Uh, <laughs> and so I just don't, they don't strike you as a team um, that can make a lot of noise. CJ, your AFC champion is who? Oh, boy. It's hard not to say Chiefs at this point. It's just, so you got to go Chiefs. It's just how the team that you, that team with the best quarterback and also seems to have the best surrounding pieces and is 
got a great coach at the helm there. It's hard to go another way. I'm going to go Buffalo Bills. I'm making yeah. it interesting. I think uh, the Bills last year, I thought they actually matched up pretty well um, in terms of what could beat the Chiefs. I think they had the weapons there. They didn't have the experience. And I also thought they were severely outcoached in that game. I thought Andy Reid was running circles around them. Does that mean that they're going to somehow be able to coach better against the Chiefs this year? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I No, it does not. Um, but I like Josh Allen too much. I think that this is kind of their time right now. It's that window. When you have this good of a quarterback making so less money, such a minimal amount of money with a great defense, I, so, I'm high on this. Bill then let me ask you a question. Mitch Trubisky, does he have a hand in getting them there? <laughs> Whether it be regular season, like Josh Allen has to sit out a few games because of a hamstring issue, whatever it may be, does Mitch Trubisky contribute in a real like game-level way? Well, he absolutely does, CJ. And you know why? Because the, the Bears quarterback before Mitch Trubisky was a key contributor of the Bills the last two years. That's Matt Barkley. Matt Barkley stepped in and won a, a game as a uh, as a backup. I mean, I think he may have won two games for him two years ago. Well, who's to say that Mitchell Trubisky can't do the same? After what we saw him do against the Bears this past week. That was so satisfying. I And they're yeah. not playing each other this year in the regular season, right? No, I don't think so. Because that would be so fun if they were. No, they're not playing each other. Mitch Trubisky gets a... Uh, an AFC championship under his belt here to add to his Nickelodeon valuable. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Anything else on the AFC CJ? Go Bengals, go, go Steelers and see you guys back pretty soon for our NFC preview. Well, folks, that does it for part one of our two part NFL preview. For the 2021 season was a lot of fun having CJ here talking all things AFC. Next up, we've got the NFC dropping later this week. Be on the lookout for that. Make sure you guys are all subscribed to the Jack Vita show. And if you guys missed our previous episodes, we released our college football preview last week. That's two parts previewed all the conferences, including group of five and independent teams. we talked all power five, had a fun interview with Alec Peters, formerly of the Phoenix Suns about a week ago. And uh, we're going to have a lot more coming up here pretty soon. As I mentioned, part two coming out later this week. And then we're going to be recapping the first week of college football action. Oh, and we also talked baseball earlier this week, too. Uh, It's been busy. It's been very busy. We will also, so on uh, Tuesday, I'll be recording with Andrew Stem, and we'll talk week one of college football and plenty of baseball. And then after that, the goal is to have every Monday or Tuesday, there will be a football recap show throughout the season. And then later in the week, a midweek baseball show. And that's the goal is to do that every single week through the remainder of the baseball season. 
when baseball ends, then we just, then we, hey, maybe it's college basketball time by then at that point. But that's the plan for now. And then NFL college football recaps every single week. You guys are not going to want to miss out on that. And by the way, we did set up a pick'em pool for college football and NFL. Go to my website, jackvita.com. You can see it right there on the homepage. There's a link with uh, all the instructions to join the pool. You have to make sure in order to participate, in order to qualify to win the prize, you need to show me that you are subscribed to this podcast and that you've left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you've done both those things and you have the highest point total, by the way, doesn't cost any money to play. It's entirely free. But if you win, you get a spot on this show in the future. You'll get to come on this show. And if you uh, you also get 50 bucks, Venmo or Quick Pay, I'll, I'll send you 50 bucks, whether it's through PayPal, Quick Pay, Chase, Zelle, Venmo, etc. You'll get 50 bucks and a spot, an appearance on this podcast. And you get to play with the stars of the Jack Vita show. We'll have a bunch of our regulars on this show also playing in that pool it's going to be a lot of fun we'll have 16 nfl games each week or however many nfl games there are we'll have every nfl game and the top 15 games each week determined by cbs sports which is a site that we're running this pool on so some weeks you'll have 31 games to pick winners for and we're picking against the spread. So the spread matters. If you have any questions about that, tweet me or message me. I'm at Jack Vita Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also vote for the greatest sports movie of all time on those uh, on those Twitter and it's on those social media handles, I should say, because uh, we're down to the final four now. So thank you all for tuning in. And until we get to part two of our NFL preview. I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters. 